CD4 Otto emerged very slowly and nervously from behind the lens. He was thin, pale, and wore little oval dark glasses. He still clutched the twist of black ribbon as if it was a talisman, which it more or less was. "'It's all right. We won't bite you,' said Sacharissa. "'And one good turn deserves another, eh?' said Goodmountain. "'That was a bit tasteless, Mr. Goodmountain,' said Sacharissa. "'So am I,' said the dwarf, turning back to the stone. "'Just so long as people know where I stand, that's all.' "'You will not be sorry,' said Otto. "'I am completely reformed, I assure you. "'What is it you want me to take pictures of, please?' "'News,' said William. "'What is news, please?' "'News is,' William began, "'news is what we put in the paper.' "'What do you think of this, eh?' said a cheerful voice. William turned. There was a horribly familiar face looking at him over the top of a cardboard box. "'Hello, Mr. Wintler,' he said. Uh, "'Sacharissa, I wonder if you could just go and—' He wasn't quick enough. "'Mr. Wintler.' a man of the variety that thinks a whoopee cushion is the last word in repartee, was not the kind to let a mere freezing reception stand in his way. "'I was digging in my garden this morning and came up with this parsnip, and I thought that young man at the paper will laugh himself silly when he sees it, cos my lady-wife couldn't keep a straight face, and—' To William's horror, he was already reaching into the box. Uh, "'Mr. Wintler, I really don't think—' But the hand was already rising, and there was a sound of something scraping on the side of the box— "'I bet the young lady here would like a good chuckle too, eh?' "'William shut his eyes. "'He heard Sacharissa gasp. "'Then she said, "'Golly, it's amazingly lifelike.' "'William opened his eyes. "'Oh, it's a nose,' he said. "'A parsnip with a sort of knobbly face and a huge nose.' "'You want I shall take a picture?' said Otto. "'Yes,' said William, drunk with relief.' "'Take a big picture of Mr. Wintler and his wonderfully nasal parsnip, Otto. "'Your first job, yes, indeed.' "'Mr. Wintler beamed. "'And shall I run back home and fetch my carrot?' he said. "'No,' said William and Goodmountain, in whiplash unison. "'You want the picture right now?' said Otto. "'We certainly do,' said William. "'The sooner we can let him go home, the sooner our Mr. Wintler can find another wonderfully humorous vegetable, eh, Mr. Wintler? "'What will it be next time? A bean with ears?' "'A beetroot shaped like a potato? "'A sprout with an enormous hairy tongue?' "'Right here and now is when you want a picture,' said Otto, "'anxiety hanging off every syllable. "'Right now, yes. "'As a matter of fact, there is a Swede coming along "'that I've got great hopes of,' Mr. Wintler began. "'Oh, well, if you will look this way, Mr. Wintler,' said Otto. "'He got behind the iconograph and uncovered the lens. "'William got a glimpse of the imp peering out, brush-poised.' In his spare hand, Otto slowly held up, on a stick, a cage containing a fat and drowsing salamander, finger poised on the trigger that would bring a small hammer down on its head, just hard enough to annoy it. "'Be smiling, please.' "'Hold on,' said Sacharissa. "'Should a vampire really—' Click. The salamander flared, etching the room with searing white light and dark shadows. Otto screamed. He fell to the floor, clutching at his throat— he sprang to his feet, goggle-eyed and gasping, and staggered, knock-kneed and wobbly-legged, the length of the room and back again. He sank down behind a desk, scattering paperwork with a wildly flailing hand. And then there was a shocked silence. Otto stood up, adjusted his cravat, and dusted himself off. Only then did he look up at the row of shocked faces. 
"'Well,' he said sternly, "'what you're all looking at? "'It is just a normal reaction, that is all. "'I am working on it. "'Light in all its forms is my passion. "'Light is my canvas. "'Shadows are my brush.' "'But strong light hurts you,' said Sacharissa. "'It hurts vampires.' "'Yes, it is a bit of a bugger, but there you go.' "'And um, that happens every time you take the picture, does it?' said William. "'No, sometimes it is a lot worse.' "'Worse? I sometimes crumble to dust, but that which does not kill us makes us strong.' "'Strong? Indeed.' William caught Sacharissa's gaze. Her look said it all. "'We've hired him. Have we got the heart to fire him now?' "'and don't make fun of his accent "'unless your Uberwaldian is really good, okay?' "'Otto adjusted the iconograph and inserted a fresh sheet. "'And now shall we try one more,' he said brightly, "'and this time everybody smile!' "'Mail was arriving. "'William was used to a certain amount, "'usually from clients of his newsletter, "'complaining that he hadn't told them "'about the double-headed giants, plagues, "'and reigns of domestic animals "'that they had heard had been happening in Ankh-Morpork.' His father had been right about one thing, at least, when he'd asserted that lies could run round the world before the truth could get its boots on, and it was amazing how people wanted to believe them. These were... Well, it was as if he'd shaken a tree and all the nuts had fallen out. Several letters were complaining that there had been much colder winters than this, although no two of them could agree when it was. One said vegetables were not as funny as they used to be, especially leeks... Another asked what the Guild of Thieves was doing about unlicensed crime in the city. There was one saying that all these robberies were down to dwarfs who shouldn't be allowed into the city to steal the work out of honest humans' mouths. "'Put a title like Letters on the top and put them in,' said William. "'Except the one about the dwarfs. That sounds like Mr Windling. It sounds like my father, too, except that at least he can spell undesirable and wouldn't use crayon.' "'Why not that letter?' "'because it's offensive.' "'Some people think it's true, though,' said Sacharissa. "'There's been a lot of trouble.' "'Yes, but we shouldn't print it.' "'William called Goodmountain over and showed him the letter. "'The dwarf read it. "'Put it in,' he suggested. "'It'll fill a few inches.' "'But people will object,' said William. "'Good. Put their letters in, too.' "'Sacharissa sighed. "'We'll probably need them,' she said. "'William... "'Grandfather says no one in the Guild will engrave the iconographs for us.' "'Why not? We can afford the rates. "'We're not Guild members. It's all getting unpleasant. "'Will you tell Otto?' "'William sighed and walked over to the ladder. "'The dwarfs used the cellar as a bedroom, "'being naturally happier with a floor over their heads. "'Otto had been allowed to use a dank corner, "'which he'd made his own by hanging an old sheet across on a rope. "'Oh, hello, Mr William,' he said. "'pouring something noxious from one bottle into another. "'I'm afraid it looks as if we won't get anyone to engrave your pictures,' said William. "'The vampire seemed unmoved by this. "'Yes, I've wondered about that. "'So I'm sorry to say that no problem, Mr. William. "'There is always a way. "'How? You can't engrave, can you? "'No, but all we are printing is black and white, yes? "'And the paper is white, though all we are really printing is black, okay?' I looked at how the dwarfs do the letters, and they have all these bits of metal lying around, and... You know how the engravers can engrave metal with acid? Yes. So, all I have to do is teach the imps to paint with acid. End of problem. Getting grey took a bit of thought, 
but I think I have... You mean you can get the imps to etch the picture straight onto a plate? Yes. It is one of those ideas that are obvious when you think about it. Otto looked wistful. And I think about light all the time. All the time. William vaguely remembered something someone had once said. The only thing more dangerous than a vampire crazed with bloodlust was a vampire crazed with anything else. All the meticulous single-mindedness that went into finding young women who slept with their bedroom window open was channelled into some other interest, with merciless and painstaking efficiency. Er, uh, why do you need to work in a dark room, though? he said. The imps don't need it, do they? Ah, this is for my experiment, said Otto proudly. You know that another term for an iconographer would be photographer? From the old word photos in Latation, which means to prance around like a pillock, ordering everyone about as if you owned the place, said William. Ah, you'll know it. William nodded. He'd always wondered about that word. Well, I am working on an obscurograph. William's forehead wrinkled. It was turning into a long day. Taking pictures with darkness, he ventured. With true darkness, to be precise, said Otto, excitement entering his voice. Not just the absence of light, the light on the other side of darkness. You could call it living darkness. We can't see it, but imps can. Did you know the Oberwaldian deep cave land eel emits a burst of dark light when startled? William glanced at a large glass jar on the bench. A couple of ugly things were coiled up in the bottom. And that will work, will it? I think so. Hold it one minute. I really ought to be getting back. This will not take a second. Otto gently lifted one of the eels out of its jar and put it into the hod usually occupied by a salamander. He carefully aimed one of his iconographs at William and nodded. One, two, three... Boo! There was... There was a soft, noiseless implosion, a very brief sensation of the world being screwed up small, frozen, smashed into little tiny sharp pins and hammered through every cell of William's body. In many ways, William de Word had quite a graphic imagination. Then the gloom of the cellar flowed back. That was very strange, said William, blinking. It was like... "'Something very cold walking through me. "'Much may be learnt about dark light "'now we have left our disgusting past behind us "'and have emerged into the bright new future "'where we do not think about the bee-word all day "'in any way at all,' said Otto, fiddling with the iconograph. "'He looked hard at the picture the imp had painted "'and then glanced up at William. "'Oh, well, back to the drink-board,' he said. "'Can I see?' "'It would embarrass me.' said Otto, putting the square of cardboard down on his makeshift bench. All the time I am doing things wrong. Oh, but I'd... Mr. De Word, there's something happening. The bellow came from Rocky, whose head eclipsed the hole. What is it? Something at the palace. Someone's been killed. William sprang up the ladder. Sacharissa was sitting at a desk, looking pale. Someone's assassinated veterinary? Uh, no, said Sacharissa. Not exactly. Down in the cellar, Otto Hreek picked up the dark light iconograph and looked at it again. Then he scratched it with a long, pale finger, as if trying to remove something. Strange, he said. 
The imp hadn't imagined it, he knew. Imps had no imagination whatsoever. They didn't know how to lie. He looked around the bare cellar suspiciously. "'Is there anyone there?' he said. "'Is anyone playing such silly buggers?' Thankfully there was no answer. "'Dark light, oh dear. There were lots of theories about dark light. "'Otto!' he glanced up, shoving the picture into his pocket. "'Yes, Mr. William?' "'Get your stuff together and come along with me. "'Lord Vetinari's murdered someone. Uh, "'It is alleged,' William added, "'and it can't possibly be true.' "'It sometimes seemed to William "'that the whole population of Ankh Morpork "'was simply a mob waiting to happen. "'It was mostly spread thin, "'like some kind of great amoeba all across the city. "'But when something happened somewhere, "'it contracted around that point "'like a cell around a piece of food, "'filling the streets with people.' It was growing around the main gates to the palace. It came together apparently at random. A knot of people would attract other people and become a bigger, more complicated knot. Carts and sedan chairs would stop to find out what was going on. The invisible beast grew bigger. There were watchmen on the gate instead of the palace guard. This was a problem. Let me in, I'm nosy was not a request likely to achieve success. It lacked a certain authority. Why are we stopping? said Otto. "'That's Sergeant Detritus on the gate,' said William. "'Ah, a troll, very stupid,' opined Otto. "'But hard to fool. I'm afraid I shall have to try the truth. "'Why will that work?' "'He's a policeman. The truth usually confuses them. "'They don't often hear it.' "'The big troll sergeant watched William impassively as he approached. "'It was a proper policeman's stare. It gave nothing away. "'It said, "'I can see you.' "'Now I'm waiting to see what you're going to do that's wrong.' "'Good morning, Sergeant,' said William. "'A nod from the troll indicated that he was prepared to accept, "'on available evidence, that it was morning, "'and, in certain circumstances, by some people, "'it might be considered good. "'I urgently need to see Commander Vimes.' "'Oh, yes.' "'Yes, indeed.' "'And does he urgently need to see you?' "'The troll leaned closer.' "'You're Mr. De Word, right?' "'Yes, I work for the Times.' "'I don't read that,' said the Troll. "'Really? We'll bring out a large print edition,' said William. "'That was a very funny joke,' said Detritus. "'Thing is, thick though I am, "'I am the one that's saying you can stay outside, "'so what's that vampire doing?' "'Hold it just one second, said Otto. "'Woomph!' "'Damn, damn, damn, damn!' Detritus watched Otto roll around on the cobbles, screaming. "'What was that about?' he said eventually. "'He's taken a picture of you not letting me into the palace,' said William. Detritus, although born above the snow line on some distant mountain, a troll who had never seen a human until he was five years old, nevertheless was a policeman to his craggy, dragging fingertips and reacted accordingly.' "'He can't do that,' he said. "'William pulled out his notebook and poised his pencil. "'Could you explain to my readers exactly why not?' he said. "'Detritus looked around, a little worried. "'Where are they?' "'No, I mean I'm going to write down what you say.' "'Basic policing rushed to Detritus's aid once again. "'You can't do that,' he said. "'Then can I write down why I can't write anything down?' "'William said, smiling brightly.' Detritus reached up and moved a little lever on the side of his helmet. A barely audible whirring noise became fractionally louder. 
The troll had a helmet with a clockwork fan to blow air across his silicon brain when overheating threatened to reduce its operating efficiency. Right now, he obviously needed a cooler head. Ah, this is some kind of politics, right? he said. Um, maybe. Sorry. Otto had staggered to his feet and was fiddling with the iconograph again. Detritus reached a decision. He nodded to a constable. Fiddiment, you take these two to Mr Vimes. They are not to fall down any steps on the way or any stuff like that. Mr Vimes, thought William, as they hurried after the constable. All the watchmen called him that. The man had been a knight and was now a duke and a commander, but they called him Mr. And it was Mr. too, the full two syllables, not the everyday unheeded Mr. It was the Mr. you used when you wanted to say things like, Put down that crossbow and turn around real slow, Mr. He wondered why. William had not been brought up to respect the watch. They weren't our kind of people. It was conceded that they were very useful, like sheepdogs, because clearly someone had to keep people in order, heavens knew. But only a fool would let a sheepdog sleep in the parlour. The watch, in other words, was a regrettably necessary subset of the criminal classes, a section of the population informally defined by Lord de Word as anyone with less than a thousand dollars a year. William's family and everyone they knew also had a mental map of the city that was divided into parts where you found upstanding citizens and other parts where you found criminals. It had come as a shock to them. No, he corrected himself. It had come as an affront to learn that Vimes operated on a different map. Apparently, he'd instructed his men to use the front door when calling at any building, even in broad daylight, when sheer common sense said that they should use the back, just like any other servant. William's class understood that justice was like coal or potatoes. You ordered it when you needed it. The man simply had no idea. That Vetinari had made him a duke was just another example of the patrician's lack of grip. William, therefore, felt predisposed to like Vimes, if only because of the type of enemies he made. But as far as he could see, everything about the man could be prefaced by the word badly, as in spoken, educated, and in need of a drink. Fidiment stopped in the big hall of the palace. "'Don't you go anywhere, and don't you do anything,' he said. "'I'll go, and—' But Vimes was already coming down the wide stairs, trailed by a giant of a man William recognised as Captain Carrot. You could add, dressed, to Vimes's list. It wasn't that he wore bad clothes. He just seemed to generate an internal scruffiness field. The man could rumple a helmet. Fidiment met them halfway. There was a muttered conversation, out of which the unmistakable words, "'Ace what?' arose in Vimes's voice. He glared darkly at William. The expression was clear. It said, "'It's been a bad day, and now there's you.' Vimes walked the rest of the way down the stairs and looked William up and down. "'What is it you're wanting?' he demanded. "'I want to know what's happened here, please,' said William. "'Why?' "'Because people will want to know.' "'Ha! They'll find out soon enough.' "'But who from, sir?' Vimes walked around William as if he was examining some strange new thing. "'You're Lord de Word's boy, aren't you?' "'Yes, Your Grace.' "'Commander will do,' said Vimes sharply. And you write that little gossipy thing, right? Broadly, sir. 
What was it you did to Sergeant Detritus? I only wrote down what he said, sir. Aha! Pulled a pen on him, eh? Sir? Writing things down at people. That sort of thing only causes trouble. Vimes stopped walking around William, but having him glare from a few inches away was no improvement. This has not been a nice day, he said, and it's going to get a lot worse. Why should I waste my time talking to you? I can tell you one good reason, said William. Well, go on, then. You should talk to me so that I could write it down, sir. All neat and correct. The actual words you say right down there on the paper. And you know who I am, and if I get them wrong, you know where to find me. So? You're telling me that if I do what you want, you'll do what you want? I'm saying, sir, that a lie can run round the world before the truth has got its boots on. Ha! You just make that up. No, sir, but you know it's true. Vimes sucked on his cigar. And you'll let me see what you've written? Of course. I'll make sure you get one of the first papers off the press, sir. I meant before it gets published and you know it. To tell you the truth, no, I don't think I should do that, sir. I am commander of the watch, lad. Yes, sir, and I'm not. I think that's my point, really, although I'll work on it some more. Vimes stared at him a little too long. Then, in a slightly different tone of voice, he said, Lord Vetinari was seen by three cleaning maids of the household staff, all respectable ladies, after they were alerted by the barking of his lordship's dog at about seven o'clock this morning. He said, here Vimes consulted his own notebook, I've killed him, I've killed him, I'm sorry. They saw what looked very much like a body on the floor. Lord Vetinari was holding a knife. They ran downstairs to fetch someone. On their return, they found his lordship missing. The body was that of Rufus Drumnot, the patrician's personal secretary. He had been stabbed and is seriously ill. A search of the buildings located Lord Vetinari in the stables. He was unconscious on the floor. An horse was saddled. The saddlebags contained $70,000. Captain, this is damned stupid. I know, sir, said Carrot. They are the facts, sir. But they're not the right facts. They're stupid facts. I know, sir. I can't imagine his lordship trying to kill anyone. Are you bad? said Vimes. I can't imagine him saying sorry. Vimes turned and glared at William, as if surprised to find him still there. Yes, he demanded. Why was his lordship unconscious, sir? Vimes shrugged. It looks as though he was trying to get on the horse. He's got a game leg. Maybe he slipped. I can't believe I'm saying this. Anyway, that's your lot, understand? I'd like to get an iconograph of you, please, William persisted. Why? William thought fast. It will reassure the citizens that you are on the case and handling this personally, Commander. My iconographer is just downstairs. Otto! Good God's a damn vamp! Vimes began. He's a black ribboner, sir, Carrot whispered. Vimes rolled his eyes. Good morning, said Otto. Do not be moving, please. You are making a good pattern of light and shade. He kicked out the legs of the tripod, peered into the iconograph and raised a salamander in its cage. Looking this way, please. Click. Woomph. Oh, shit! Dust floated to the floor. In the midst of it, a twist of black ribbon spiralled down. There was a moment of shocked silence. Then Vimes said, "'What the hell happened just then?' "'Too much flash, I think,' said William. 
he reached down with a trembling hand and retrieved a small square of card that was sticking out of the little grey cone of the late Otto Shriek. "'Do not be alarmed,' he read. "'The former bearer of this card has suffered a minor accident. "'You will need a drop of blood from any species and a dustpan and brush.' "'Well, the kitchens are over that way,' said Vimes. "'Sort him out. "'I don't want my men treading him in all over the damn place.' "'One last thing, sir. "'Would you like me to say that if anyone saw anything suspicious, "'they should tell you, sir?' said William. "'In this town? "'We'd need every man on the watch just to control the queue.' "'Just you be careful what you write, that's all.' The two watchmen strode away, Carrots giving William a wan smile as he passed. William busied himself in carefully scraping up Otto with two pages from his notebook and depositing the dust in the bag the vampire used to carry his equipment. Then it dawned on him that he was alone, Otto probably didn't count at the moment, in the palace with Commander Vimes's permission to be there. If the kitchens are over that way could be parlayed into permission. And William was good with words. Truth was what he told. Honesty was sometimes not the same thing. He picked up the bag and found his way to the back stairs and the kitchen whence came a hubbub. Staff were wandering around with the bewildered air of people with nothing to do who were nevertheless still being paid to do it. William sidled over to a maid who was sobbing into a grubby handkerchief. "'Excuse me, miss,' "'But could you let me have a drop of blood?' "'Yes, perhaps this isn't the right moment,' he added nervously, as she fled, shrieking. "'Here, what did you say to our Reenie?' said a thick-set man, putting down a tray of hot loaves. "'Are you the baker?' said William. The man gave him a look. "'What does it look like?' "'I can see what it looks like,' said William. There was another look, but this one had just a measure of respect in it. "'I'm still asking the question,' he went on. "'I'm the butcher, as it happens,' said the man. "'Well done. The baker's off sick. "'And who are you asking me questions?' "'Commander Vimes sent me down here,' said William. "'He was appalled at the ease with which the truth "'turned into something that was almost a lie, "'just by being positioned correctly. "'He opened his notebook. "'I'm from the Times. Did you... "'What, the paper?' said the butcher. "'That's right. Did you... "'Ha! You got it completely up your bum about the winter, you know.' "'You should have said it was the year of the ant. "'That was the worst. "'You should have asked me. "'I could have put you right. "'And you are?' "'Sidney Clancy and Son, age thirty-nine, eleven long hog meat, "'purveyors of finest cat and dog meats to the gentry. "'Why aren't you writing it down?' "'Lord Vetinari eats pet food?' "'He doesn't eat much of anything from what I hear. "'No, I delivers for his dog. "'Finest stuff, prime. "'We sell only the best at eleven long hog meat, "'open every day from six a.m. to mid... "'Oh, his dog, right,' said William. "'Um...' He looked around at the throng. Some of those people could tell him things, and he was talking to a dog-meat man. Still... "'Could you let me have a tiny piece of meat?' he said. "'Are you going to put it in the paper?' "'Yes. Sort of. In a way.' William found a quiet alcove hidden from the general excitement, and gingerly let the piece of meat dribble one drop of blood onto the little grey pile. The dust mushroomed up into the air, became a mass of coloured flecks, became Otto Hreek. How was that fun? he said. Oh. I think you got the picture, said William. Um, your jacket. Part of the sleeve of the vampire's jacket was now the colour and texture of the stair carpet in the big hall, a rather dull pattern of red and blue. Carpet dust got mixed in, I expect, said Otto. 
Do not be alarmed. Happens all the time. He sniffed the sleeve. Finest steak. Thank you. It was dog food, said William the Truthful. Dog food? Yes. Grab your stuff and follow me. Dog food? You did say it was finest steak. Lord Vetinari is kind to his dog. Look, don't complain to me. If this sort of thing happens a lot, then you ought to carry a little bottle of emergency blood. Otherwise, people will do the best they can. Well, yes, fine, thank you, anyway, the vampire mumbled, trailing behind him. Dog food, dog food, oh dear me, where are we going now? To the oblong office to see where the attack was made, said William. I just hope it isn't being guarded by someone clever. We will get into a lot of trouble. Why? said William. He'd been thinking the same thing, but why? The palace belonged to the city, more or less. The watch probably wouldn't like him going in there, but William felt in his bones that you couldn't run a city on the basis of what the watch liked. The watch would probably like it if everyone spent their time indoors with their hands on the table where people could see them. The door to the oblong office was open. Guarding it, if you could truly be said to be on guard, whilst leaning against the wall staring at the opposite wall, was Corporal Nobbs. He was smoking a surreptitious cigarette. "'Ah, just the man I was looking for,' said William. That was true. Nobby was more than he'd hoped for. The cigarette disappeared by magic. "'Am I?' wheezed Nobbs, smoke curling out of his ears. "'Yes, I've been talking to Commander Vimes, and now I would like to see the room where the crime was committed.' William had great hopes of that sentence. It seemed to contain the words, "'And he gave me permission to,' without actually doing so. Corporal Nobbs looked uncertain, but then he noticed the notebook. And Otto. The cigarette appeared between his lips again. "'Here, are you from that newspaper?' "'That's right,' said William. "'I thought people would be interested in seeing how our brave watch swings into action at a time like this.' Corporal Nobbs's skinny chest visibly swelled. "'Corporal Nobby Nobbs, sir. Probably thirty-four. Been in uniform since probably ten years old, man and boy.' William felt he ought to make a show of writing this down. "'Probably thirty-four. "'Ah, ma'am, has never been one for numbers, sir. Always a bit vague on fine detail, ah, ma'am.' "'And?' William took a closer look at the corporal. You had to assume he was a human being because he was broadly the right shape, could talk, and wasn't covered in hair. Man and boy and... he heard himself say. Just man and boy, sir, said Corporal Nobbs reproachfully. Just man and boy. And were you first on the scene, Corporal? Last on the scene, sir. And your important job is to... Stop anyone going through this door, sir, said Corporal Nobbs, trying to read William's notes upside down. That's... "'Nobs without a K, sir. It's amazing how many people get that wrong. "'What's he doing with that box?' "'Got to take a picture of Ank Morpork's finest,' said William, easing himself towards the door. "'Of course, that was a lie, but since it was such an obvious lie, he considered it didn't count. "'It was like saying the sky was green.' "'By now, Corporal Nobs was almost leaving the floor under the lifting power of pride. "'Can I have a copy for me, ma'am?' he said. "'Smile, please,' said Otto.' I am smiling. Stop smiling, please. Click. Woomph. Ah, 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 A screaming vampire is always the centre of attention. William slipped into the oblong office. Just inside the door was a chalk outline. In coloured chalk. It must have been done by Corporal Nobbs because he was the only person who would add a pipe and draw in some flowers and clouds. There was also a stink of peppermint, there was a chair knocked over. There was a basket kicked upside down in the corner of the room. There was a short, 
evil-looking metal arrow sticking into the floor at an angle. It had a City Watch label tied to it now. There was a dwarf. He... No, William corrected himself on seeing the heavy leather skirt and the slight raised heels to the iron boots. She was lying down on her stomach, picking at something on the floor with a pair of tweezers. It looked like a smashed jar. She glanced up. "'Are you new? Where's your uniform?' she said. "'Well, er, uh, I, er,' uh, she narrowed her eyes. "'You're not a watchman, are you? Does Mr. Vimes know you're here?' The way of the truthful by nature is as a bicycle race in a pair of sandpaper underpants, but William clung to an indisputable fact. "'I spoke to him just now,' he said. But the dwarf wasn't Sergeant Detritus, and certainly not Corporal Nobbs. "'And he said you could come in here?' she demanded. "'Not exactly said.' The dwarf walked across and swiftly opened the door. "'Then get—' "'Oh, a wonderful framing effect,' said Otto, who'd been on the other side of the door. "'Click!' William shut his eyes. Woomph. "'Oh, bugger!' This time William caught the little piece of paper before it hit the ground. The dwarf stood open-mouthed. Then she closed her mouth. Then she opened it again to say, "'What the hell just happened?' "'I suppose you could call it a sort of industrial injury,' said William. "'Hang on, I think I've still got a piece of dog food somewhere. Honestly, there's got to be a better way than this.' He unwrapped the meat from a grubby piece of newspaper and gingerly dropped it onto the heap. The ash fountained, and Otto arose, blinking. "'How's that? One more? This time with the obscurograph?' he said. He was already reaching for his bag. "'Get out of here right now,' said the dwarf. "'Oh, please,' William glanced at the dwarf's shoulder. "'Corporal, let him do his job. Give him a chance, eh? He's a black ribboner, after all.' Behind the watchman, Otto took an ugly, newt-like creature out of its jar. "'Do you want me to arrest the pair of you? You're interfering with the scene of a crime.' "'What crime, would you say?' said William, flipping open his notebook. "'Out! The pair of—' "'Who?' said Otto, softly. The land eel must have been quite tense already. In response to thousands of years of evolution in a high magical environment, it discharged a night-time's worth of darkness all at once. It filled the room for a moment— sheer, solid black laced with traceries of blue and violet. Again, for a moment, William thought he could feel it wash through him in a flood. Then light flowed back like chilly water after a pebble has been dropped in the lake. The corporal glared at Otto. That was dark light, wasn't it? Ah, you too are from Oberwald, Otto began happily. Yes, and I did not expect to see that here. Get out! They hurried past the startled Corporal Nobbs, down the wide stairs and out into the frosty air of the courtyard. "'Is there something you ought to be telling me, Otto?' said William. "'She seemed extremely angry when you took that second picture.' "'Well, it's a little hard to explain,' said the vampire awkwardly. "'It's not harmful, is it?' "'Oh, no. There are no physical effects whatsoever.' "'Or mental effects,' said William, who had spun words too often to miss such a carefully misleading statement. "'Perhaps this is not the time.' "'That's true. Tell me about it later.' "'Before you try it again, okay?' William's head buzzed as he ran along Filigree Street. Barely an hour ago he'd been agonising over what stupid letters to put in the newspaper, and the world had seemed more or less normal. Now it had been turned upside down. Lord Vetinari was supposed to have tried to kill someone, and that didn't make sense, if only because the person he had tried to kill was apparently still alive. He'd been trying to get away with a load of money, too, and that didn't make sense either.' 
Oh, it wasn't hard to imagine a person embezzling money and attacking someone, but if you mentally inserted someone like the patrician into the picture, it all fell apart. And what about the peppermint? The room had reeked of it. There were a lot more questions. The look in the corporal's eyes she'd chased him out of the office suggested firmly to William that he was unlikely to get any more answers from the watch. And looming up in his mind was the gaunt shape of the press. Somehow he was going to have to make a coherent story about all this, and he'd have to do it now. The happy figure of Mr. Wintler greeted him as he strode into the press room. "'What do you think of this funny marrow, eh, Mr. DeWord?' "'I suggest you stuff it, Mr. Wintler,' said William, pushing past. "'Just as you say, sir. That's just what my lady wife said, too.' "'I'm sorry, but he insisted on waiting for you,' Sacharissa whispered as William sat down. "'What's going on?' "'I'm not sure,' said William, staring hard at his notes. "'Who's been killed?' "'Er, uh, no one, I think.' "'That's a mercy, then,' Sacharissa looked down at the papers covering her desk. "'I'm afraid we've had five other people in here with humorous vegetables,' she said. "'Oh. Yes. They weren't all that funny, to tell the truth.' "'Oh. No.' They mainly looked like, um, you know. Oh, what? You know, she said, beginning to go red. A man's, um, you know. Oh, not even very much like, um, you know, too. I mean, you had to want to see a, um, you know, there, if you understand me. William hoped that no one was making notes about this conversation. Oh, he said. "'But I took their names and addresses just in case,' said Sacharissa. "'I thought it might be worth it, if we're short of stuff.' "'We're never going to be that short,' said William quickly. "'You don't think so?' "'I'm positive.' "'You may be right,' she said, looking at the mess of paper on her desk. "'It's been very busy in here while you were out. "'People have been queuing up with all sorts of news. "'Things that are going to happen, lost dogs, things they want to sell.' "'That's advertising,' said William, trying to concentrate on his notes.' If they want it in the paper, they have to pay. I don't see that it's up to us to decide. William thumped the desk to his own amazement and Sacharissa's shock. Something is happening. Do you understand? Something really real is happening. And it's not an amusing shape. It's really serious. And I've got to write it down as soon as possible. Can you just let me do that? He realised Sacharissa was staring not at him but at his fist. He followed her gaze. Oh, no, what the hell is this? A long, sharp nail projected straight upwards from the desk, an inch from his hand. It must have been at least six inches long. Pieces of paper had been impaled on it. When he picked it up, he saw that it remained upright because it had been hammered through a wooden block. "'It's a spike,' said Sacharissa quietly. "'I... I... Uh, brought it in to keep our papers tidy. M my grandfather always uses one. All, all, all the engravers do. It's, it, it's sort of a cross between a... "'Filing cabinet and a waste paper basket. "'I thought it would be useful. "'Um, it'll save you using the floor.' "'Um, right, yes, good idea,' said William, "'looking at her reddening face. "'Um,' he couldn't think straight. "'Mr. Goodmountain,' he yelled. "'The dwarf looked up from a playbill he was setting. "'Can you put stuff in type if I dictate it to you?' "'Yes.' "'Sacharissa, please go and find Ron and his... friends.' I want to get a small paper out as soon as possible. Not tomorrow morning, right now. Please? She was about to protest, and then she saw the look in his eye. Are you sure you're allowed to do this? she said. No, I'm not. I won't know until after I've done it. 
That's why I've got to do it. Then I'll know, and I'm sorry I'm shouting. He pushed his chair aside and went over to Good Mountain, who was standing patiently by a case of type. All right, we need a line at the top. William shut his eyes and pinched the bridge of his nose while he thought. Um, amazing scenes in Ankh-Morpork. Got that? In very big type. Then in smaller type underneath, Patrician attacks Clark with knife. Um, that didn't sound right, he knew. It was grammatically inexact. It was the patrician who had the knife, not the clerk. We can sort that out later. Um, in smaller type again, mysterious events in stables. Uh, go down to another size of type. Watch baffled. OK, and now we'll start the story. Started, said Good Mountain, his hand dancing across the boxes of type. Aren't we nearly finished? William flicked back and forth through his notes. How to begin, how to begin. Something interesting. No, something amazing. Some amazing things... No, 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 no. The story was surely the strangeness of it all. Suspicious circumstances surround the attack. Make that alleged attack. I thought you said he admitted it, said Sacharissa, dabbing at her eyes with a handkerchief. I know, I know. It's just that I think that if Lord Vetinari wanted to kill someone, they'd be dead. Look him up in Twerp's peerage, will you? I'm sure he was educated in the Assassin's Guild. Alleged or not, said Good Mountain, his hand hovering over the A's. Just say the word... Make it the apparent attack, said William, by Lord Vetinari on Rufus Drumnot, his clerk, in the palace today. And, um, palace staff heard... Do you want me to work on this, or do you want me to find the beggars? Sacharissa demanded. I can't do both. William gave her a blank stare. Then he nodded. Rocky? The troll by the door awoke with a snort. Yes, sir. Go and find foul old Ron and the others, and get them up here as soon as possible. Tell them there'll be a bonus. Now, where was I? Palace staff heard, Good Mountain prompted, heard his lordship, who graduated with full honours from the Guild of Assassins in 1968, Sacharissa called out. Put that in, said William urgently, and then go on with, say, I killed him, I killed him, I'm sorry. Good grief, Fimes is right, this is insane. He'd have to be mad to talk like this. Mr. The Word, is it? said a voice. Oh, what the hell is it this time? William turned. He saw the trolls first, because even when they're standing at the back, a group of four trolls are metaphorically to the fore of any picture. The two humans in front of them were a mere detail, and in any case one of them was really only human by tradition. He had the grey pallor of a zombie, and wore the expression of one who, while not seeking to be unpleasant in himself, was the cause of much unpleasantness in other people. "'Mr. De Word, I believe you know me. I am Mr. Slant, of the Guild of Lawyers, said Mr. Slant, bowing stiffly. This, he indicated the slight young man next to him, is Mr. Ronald Carney, the new chairman of the Guild of Engravers and Printers. The four gentlemen behind me do not belong to any guild as far as I am aware. Engravers and printers, said Good Mountain. Yes, said Carney. We have expanded our charter. "'Guild membership is two hundred dollars a year.' "'I'm not,' William began, but Good Mountain laid a hand on his arm. "'This is the shakedown, but it isn't as bad as I thought it might be,' he whispered. "'We haven't got time to argue, and at this rate we'll make it back in a few days and a problem.' "'However,' said Mr. Slant, in his special lawyer's voice, that sucked in money at every pore, "'in this instance, in view of the special circumstances, there will also be—' "'A one-off payment of, say, 
two thousand dollars? The dwarfs went quiet. Then there was a metallic chorus. Each dwarf had laid down his type, reached under the stone, and pulled out a battle-axe. "'That's agreed, then, is it?' said Mr. Slant, stepping aside. The trolls were straightening up. It didn't take a major excuse for trolls and dwarfs to fight. Sometimes being on the same world was enough. This time it was William who restrained Good Mountain. "'Hold on, hold on. There must be a law against killing lawyers. Are you sure?' There are still some around, aren't there? Besides, he's a zombie. If you cut him in half, both bits will sue you. William raised his voice. We can't pay, Mr. Slant. In that case, accepted law and practice allows me. I want to see your charter, Sacharissa snapped. I've known you since we were kids, Ronnie Carney, and you're always up to something. Good afternoon, Miss Krebslock, said Mr. Slant. As a matter of fact, we thought someone might ask, so I brought the new charter with me. I hope we are all law-abiding her. Sacharissa snatched the impressive-looking scroll with its large dangling seal and glared at it as if trying to burn the words off the parchment by mere friction of reading. Oh, she said, it seems to be in order. Quite so. Except for the patrician's signature— Sacharissa added, handing back the scroll. "'That is a mere formality, my dear. "'I'm not your dear, and it's not on there, formal or not, "'so this isn't legal, is it?' Mr. Slant twitched. "'Clearly we cannot get a signature from a man in prison "'on a very serious charge,' he said. "'Aha! That's a wallpaper word,' thought William. When people say clearly something, that means there's a huge crack in their argument, and they know things aren't clear at all. Then who is running the city, he said. I don't know, said Mr. Slant. That is not my concern. I... Mr. Goodmountain, said William, large type, please. Got you, said the dwarf. His hand hovered over a fresh case. In caps, size to fit. Who runs Ank Morpork, said William. Now into body type, upper and lower case, across two columns. Who is governing the city while Lord Vetinari is imprisoned? Asked for an opinion today, a leading legal figure said he did not know and it was no concern of his. Mr Slant of the Lawyers Guild went on to say, You can't put that in your newspaper, barked Slant. Set that directly, please, Mr Goodmountain. Setting it already, said the dwarf, the leaden slugs clicking into place. Out of the corner of his eye, William saw Otto emerging from the cellar and looking puzzled at the noise. "'Mr. Slant went on to say,' said William, glaring at the lawyer. "'You will find it very hard to print that,' said Mr. Carney, ignoring the lawyer's frantic hand signals, "'with no damn prayers. "'Was the view of Mr. Carney of the Guild of Engravers, spelled with an E before the Y,' said William, "'who earlier today tried to put the Times out of business by means of an illegal document.' William realised that although his mouth felt full of acid, he was enjoying this immensely. Asked for his opinion of this flagrant abuse of the city laws, Mr Slant said, "'Stop taking down everything we say!' yelled Slant. "'Full caps for the whole sentence, please, Mr Goodmountain.' The trolls and the dwarfs were staring at William and the lawyer. They understood that a fight was going on, but they couldn't see any blood. "'And when you're ready, Otto,' said William, turning around. "'If the dwarfs would just close up a bit more,' said Otto, "'squinting into the iconograph. "'Oh, that's good. "'Let's see the light gleam on those big choppers. 
Trolls, please wave your fists, that's right. Big smile, everyone. It is amazing how people will obey a man pointing a lens at them. He'll come to their senses in a fraction of a second. That's all he needs. Click. Woomph. Ah! 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 William reached the falling iconograph just ahead of Mr. Slant, who could move very fast for a man with no apparent knees. It's ours, he said, holding it firmly, while the dust of Otto Hreek settled around them. What are you intending to do with this picture? I don't have to tell you. This is our workshop. We didn't ask you to come here. But I am here on legal business. Then it can't be wrong to take a picture of you, can it? said William. But if you think differently, then I will of course be happy to quote you. Slant glared at him, and then marched back to the group by the door. William heard him say, It is my considered legal opinion that we leave at this juncture. But you said you could, Carney began glaring at William. My very considered opinion, said Mr. Slant again, is that we go right now in silence. But you said, in silence, I suggest. They left. There was a group sigh of relief from the dwarfs and a replacement of axes. You want me to set this properly, said Good Mountain. There'll be trouble over it, said Sacharissa. Yes, but how much trouble are we in already, said William, on a scale of one to ten? At the moment, about eight, said Sacharissa. But when the next edition is on the streets, she shut her eyes a moment, and her lips moved in calculation, about two thousand three hundred and seventeen. Then we'll put it in, said William. Good Mountain turned to his workers. Leave the axes where you can see em, boys, he said. Look, I don't want anyone else to get into trouble, said William. I'll even set the rest of the type myself, and I can run some copies off on the press. Needs three to operate, and you won't get much speed, said Good Mountain. He saw William's expression, grinned, and slapped him as high up the back as a dwarf could manage. Don't worry, lad, we want to protect our investment. And I'm not leaving, said Sacharissa. I need that dollar. Two dollars, said William absently. It's time for a rise. What about you, Ott? Oh, can someone sweep up Otto, please? A few minutes later the restored vampire pulled himself upright against his tripod and lifted out a copper plate with trembling fingers. "'What is happening next, please?' "'Are you staying with us? It could be dangerous,' said William, realising that he was saying this to a vampire iconographer who undyed every time he took a picture. "'What kind of danger?' said Otto, tilting the plate this way and that in order to examine it better. "'Well, legal to start off with. Has anyone mentioned garlic so far?' "'No.' Can I have one hundred and eighty dollars for the Akina TR-10 dual imp iconograph with a telescopic seat and big shiny lever? Uh, not yet. Okay, said Otto philosophically. Then I shall require five dollars for repairs and improvements. I can see this is a different kind of job. All right, all right then. William looked around the press room. Everyone was silent and everyone was watching him. A few days ago he'd have expected today to be, well, dull. It usually was, just after he'd sent out his newsletter. He generally spent the time wandering around the city or reading in his tiny office while waiting for the next client with a letter to be written or sometimes read out. Often both kinds were difficult. People prepared to trust a postal system that largely depended on handing an envelope to some trustworthy-looking person who was heading in the right direction generally had something important to say. But the point was that they weren't 
his difficulties. It wasn't him making a last-minute plea to the patrician, or hearing the terrible news about the collapse of Shaft Three, although, of course, he did his best to make things easier for the customer. It had worked very well. If stress were food, he'd succeeded in turning his life into porridge. The press waited. It looked now like a great big beast. Soon he'd throw a lot of words into it, and in a few hours it would be hungry again, as if those words had never happened. You could feed it, but you could never fill it up. He shuddered. What had he got them all into? But he felt on fire. There was a truth somewhere, and he hadn't found it yet. He was going to, because he knew, he knew, that once this edition hit the streets, Bagrit! <coughs> he glanced at the crowd coming in. Of course, the truth hid in some unlikely places and had some strange handmaidens. Let's go to press, he said. It was an hour later. The sellers were already coming back for more. The rumbling of the press made the tin roof shake. The piles of copper mounting up in front of Good Mountain leapt into the air at every thump. William examined his reflection in a piece of polished brass. Somehow he'd got ink all over himself. did the best he could with his handkerchief. He'd sent altogether Andrews to sell the papers near Pseudopolis Yard, reckoning him to be the most consistently sane of the fraternity. At least five of his personalities could hold a coherent conversation. By now, surely the watch would have had time to read the story, even if they'd had to send out for help with the longer words. He was aware of someone staring at him. He turned and saw Sacharissa's head bent down over her work again. Someone sniggered behind him. There was no one there who was paying him any attention. There was a three-way argument over a matter of sixpence going on between Good Mountain, Foul Old Ron and Foul Old Ron, Ron being capable of keeping a pretty good row going all by himself. The dwarfs were hard at work around the press. Otto had retired to his dark room, where he was once again mysteriously also hard at work. Only Ron's dog was watching William. He considered that it had, for a dog, a very offensive and knowing look. A couple of months ago, someone had tried to hand William the old story about there being a dog in the city that could talk. It was the third time this year... William had explained that this was an urban myth. It was always a friend of a friend who had heard it talk, and it was never anyone who had seen the dog. The dog in front of William didn't look as if it could talk, but it did look as if it could swear. There seemed to be no stopping that kind of story. People swore that there was some long-lost heir to the throne of Ankh living incognito in the town. William certainly recognised wishful thinking when he heard it. There was the other old chestnut about a werewolf being employed in the watch, too. Until recently he dismissed that one, but he was having some doubts lately. After all, the Times employed a vampire. He stared at the wall, tapping his teeth with his pencil. "'I'm going to see Commander Vimes,' he said at last. "'It's better than hiding.' "'We're being invited to all sorts of things,' said Sacharissa, looking up from her paperwork. "'Well, I say invited. Lady Salachi has ordered us to attend her ball on Thursday next week.' and write at least five hundred words, which we will of course let her see before publication. Good idea, Good Mountain called over his shoulder. Lots of names at balls, and... Names sell newspapers, said William. Yes, I know. Do you want to go? Me? I haven't got anything to wear, said Sacharissa. It'd cost forty dollars for the kind of dress you'd wear to that sort of thing, and we can't afford that kind of money. William hesitated, then he said, Stand up and twirl around, would you? She actually blushed. "'Whatever for? I want to see what size you are, you know, all over.' 
She stood up and turned around nervously. There was a chorus of whistles from the crew and a number of untranslatable comments in dwarfish. "'You're pretty close,' said William. "'If I could get you a really good dress, could you find someone to make any adjustments you need? It might have to be let out a bit in the, uh, in the, uh, you know, in the top.' "'What kind of dress?' she said suspiciously. "'My sister's got hundreds of evening dresses, and she spends all her time at our place in the country,' said William. "'The family never comes back to the city these days.' I'll give you the key to the town house this evening, and you can go and help yourself. Won't she mind? She'll probably never notice. Anyway, I think she'd be shocked to find that anyone could spend as little as forty dollars on a dress. Don't worry about it. Town house. Place in the country, said Sacharissa, displaying an inconveniently journalistic trait of picking up on the words you hoped wouldn't be noticed. My family's rich, said William. I'm not. He glanced at the rooftop opposite when he stepped outside, because something in its outline was different, and saw a spiky head outlined against the afternoon sky. It was a gargoyle. William had got used to seeing them everywhere in the city. Sometimes one would stay in the same place for months at a time. You seldom saw them actually moving from one roof to another. But you also seldom saw them at all in districts like this. Gargoyles liked high stone buildings with lots of gutters and fiddly architecture, which attracted pigeons. Even gargoyles have to eat. There was also something going on further down the street. Several large carts were outside one of the old warehouses and crates were being carried inside. He spotted several more gargoyles on the way across the bridge to Pseudopolis Yard. Every single one of them turned its head to watch him. Sergeant Detritus was on duty at the desk. He looked at William in surprise. "'Boy, damn, that was quick. You run all the way,' he said. "'What are you talking about?' "'Mr. Vimes only sent for you a couple of minutes ago,' said Detritus. "'Go on up, I should. Don't worry, he stopped shouting.' He gave William a rather you-than-me look. "'But he are not glad about being in a tent, as they say.' "'Has he ever been a happy camper?' "'Not much,' said Detritus, grinning evilly. William climbed the stairs and knocked at the door, which swung open. Commander Vimes looked up from his desk, his eyes narrowed. "'Well, well, that was quick,' he said. "'Ran all the way, did you?' "'No, sir, I was coming here, hoping to ask you some questions.' "'That was kind of you,' said Vimes. There was a definite feeling that although the little village was quiet at the moment, women hanging out washing, cats sleeping in the sun, soon the volcano was going to explode and hundreds were going to be buried in the ash. "'So,' William began. "'Why did you do this?' said Vimes. William could see the times on the desk in front of the commander. He could read the headlines from here. The Ankh-Morpork Times. The truth shall make ye fret. Extra. Patrician attacks Clark with knife. Uh, he had the knife, not the Clark. Mysterious events in stables. Strange smell of peppermint. Watch. Baffled. Baffled, am I? said Vimes. If you are telling me that you are not commander, I will be happy to make a note of the... Leave that notebook alone! William looked surprised. The notebook was the cheapest kind, made of paper recycled so many times you could use it as a towel. But once again someone was glaring at it as if it was a weapon. "'I won't have you doing to me what you did to Slant,' said Vimes. "'Every word of that story is true, sir. I'd bet on it. It sounds like his style. "'Look, Commander, if there's something wrong with my story, tell me what it is.' Vimes sat back and waved his hands. "'Are you going to print everything you hear?' he said. 
Do you intend to run around my city like some loose, loose siege weapon? You sit there, clutching your precious integrity like a teddy bear, and you haven't the faintest idea, have you? Not the faintest idea how hard you can make my job. It's not against the law to... Isn't it? Isn't it, though? In Ankh-Morpork, stuff like this... It reads like behaviour likely to cause a breach of the peace to me. It might upset people, but this is important. And what will you write next, I wonder? I haven't printed that you have a werewolf employed in the watch, said William. He regretted it instantly, but Vimes was getting on his nerves. Where did you hear that? said a quiet voice behind him. He turned in his chair. A fair-haired young woman in watch uniform was leaning against the wall. She must have been there all the time. This is Sergeant Angua, said Vimes. You can speak freely in front of her. I've heard rumours, said William. He'd seen the sergeant in the streets. She had a habit of staring a bit too sharply at people he'd considered. And? Look, I can see this is worrying you, said William. Please let me assure you that Corporal Nobbs's secret is safe with me. No one spoke. William congratulated himself. It had been a shot in the dark, but he could tell by Sergeant Angua's face that he'd won this one. It seemed to have shut down, locking away all expression. "'We don't often talk about Corporal Nobbs's species,' said Vimes, after a while. "'I would deem it a small favour if you would take the same approach.' "'Yes, sir. So could I ask why you're having me watched?' "'I am. The gargoyles. Everyone knows a lot of them work for the watch these days.' "'We're not watching you. We're watching to see what happens to you,' said Sergeant Angua. "'Because of this,' said Vimes, slapping the newspaper. "'But I'm not doing anything wrong,' said William. "'No, it may just be you're not doing anything illegal,' said Vimes, "'although you're coming damn close. "'Other people do not have my kind and understanding disposition, though. "'All I ask is that you try not to bleed all over the street. "'I'll try, and don't write that down. "'Fine, and don't write down that I said don't write that down. "'Okay. "'Can I write down that you said I shouldn't write down that you said—' William stopped. The mountain was rumbling. Only joking. Ha ha. And no tapping my officers for information. And no giving dog biscuits to Corporal Nobbs, said Sergeant Angua. She walked around behind Vimes and peered over his shoulder. The truth shall make ye fret. Printer's error, said William shortly. Anything else I shouldn't do, Commander? Just don't get in the way. I'll make up. I'll remember, said William. "'But if you don't mind my asking, what's in it for me?' "'I'm commander of the watch, and I'm asking you politely.' "'And that's it?' "'I could ask you impolitely, Mr. De Word,' Vimes sighed. "'Look, can you see things my way? "'A crime has been committed. "'The guilds are in uproar. "'You've heard of too many chiefs? "'Well, right now there's a hundred many chiefs. "'I've Captain Carrot and a lot of men I really can't spare, "'guarding the oblong office and the rest of the clerks, "'which means I'm short-handed everywhere else.' I've got to deal with all this and actively pursue a state of non-bafflement. I've got veterinary in the cells and drum not too. But wasn't he the victim, sir? One of my men is tending him. Not one of the city doctors? Vimes stared fixedly at the notebook. The doctors of this city are a fine body of men, he said in a level tone, and I would not see a word written against them. One of my staff just happens to have special skills. You mean he can tell someone else's ass from their elbow? Vimes was a fast learner. He sat with his hands folded and a completely impassive expression.
End of CD4